0: welcome to the moments of joy podcast this week we have a special guest all the way from dallas texas natasha kelly and she's gonna share her amazing story with us ready let's go
1: i need the joy
0: Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. I'm so excited to have with me today, Natasha Kelly. Now, this is a special um, relationship here that God has given me. Um, I'm from Connecticut. She's from Connecticut. And I now live in Texas. And she now lives in Texas. Um, From Connecticut, but now hailing from the Dallas area in Texas, Natasha Kelly. Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Camille. I so appreciate this opportunity to come on and share. Yes, you're welcome. We're going to have a lot of fun
0: today. And um, just, I'm excited to have the ladies that listen and the few men that listen. (laughs) I'm excited to have them hear your story this morning. So I, I start every guests that we have off in our um in their childhood so that we can get a full picture of the glory of God in your life. So can you just start us off to um your earliest recollection and how you grew up as a child?
1: I was born in Norwalk, Connecticut and raised on Orchard Street with my mom and dad. They were married and when I was about five years old we moved to Stanford, Connecticut. And I was raised in Stanford through my elementary years from five years old to 13. My parents, they loved me. I have two older brothers, um, one, one, first of all, I'm 37 years old now, and I have a middle, middle brother who is 38, and I have an eldest brother who is 47, which is actually my stepbrother. Okay. We have the same mother, but not the same father. So just to give a little backdrop of my family. And so when we were raised in Stanford from five years old um, until I was 13 years old, my father and mother um, had domestic violence um, in our family. My father was an alcoholic and he would physically abuse my mother Mm -hmm. and he will also physically abuse my eldest brother. And so that went on from the time I was told from when I was born up until I was seven years old. And finally, my mom decided it was time to divorce my father. And thank God she survived that physical abuse. So she divorced him and, but after she got a divorce when I was seven, she ended up having a nervous breakdown. Mm. And ended up going into a mental institution. So during that time that she went into the mental institution, my father, who was actually homeless, sleeping in his car outside of our house, I, we grew up in Stanford um, on Connecticut Avenue, we call it Con Ave. Um, he was able to go to court and get custody of me and my middle brother. And, and he took us in and my eldest brother went back to Norwalk to live with my mom's sisters. So from mm. seven to 13, I was living with my dad. And when he got custody of us, we actually were still homeless, but we went to stay in the shelter in Stanford. And so my father was able to get everything. Um, A single mom would be able to get housing and um, all the benefits of uh, Medicaid and stuff like that. So he took custody of me and my middle brother, and we were raised in Stanford from um, seven to 13. And so my father... Um, he ended up cleaning his life up. He ended up, st- stopped drinking alcohol when he was taking care of us. Okay. But during those years, I was missing my mom. So my mom got better. Like, she wasn't in the mental institution from 7 to 13. She It was only a few months. And when she got better, she would try to come see us. But my father would make it hard for her. Like, he would have her stand on the porch and, you know, wouldn't let her come in to see us during those years, um, my elementary school years. And he would tell her, no, she couldn't see us. She would buy us clothes. She would have to leave it on the porch. So from seven to 13, I was really missing out on my mom. I went through the puberty stage and didn't have my mom. My dad would tell me to go to the nurse, talk to the nurse. Um, So he, but he was a provider for us, but he wasn't a nurturer. Uh And so when I was 13, I actually ran away from home. From my dad, and I ended up being placed in a residential home for teenagers in Greenwich, Connecticut. And so, my mom was able, thankfully, after a few months of me being in this residential home for teenagers, she went to court and got custody of me. So, I moved back to Norwalk um, when I was 13 and with my mother and my eldest brother. And so, moved back to Norwalk. And my mom, she was a great mom to me. But when I came back with her, I was hurt from all the childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And so instead of letting my mom become a nurturer to me and love on me, I turned to the streets for love and attention. And so my eldest brother, because of the trauma he experienced, he had a battle with drugs and he was out in the streets, um getting high and he really made it hard for my mom and we would lose our apartment so we started moving around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I was 16, my mother um decided to send him to a Christian counseling um center out in Atlanta. And then um he was able to turn his life around. So now today he's a pastor and he's a man of God. Oh wow, that's awesome. So that's the beginning stages of my childhood up until I was um Sixteen. Wow, that
0: that um, story is heartbreaking. I always share that I had had gone through a custody battle in it, and it sounds like the system is the same as it was back then. You know, even though your mom was okay, it's like okay, well, give her the kids back then. <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> but it's not that easy once once there's a uh, um, a judgment. It's like you know the abuser. Um, in a lot of cases, in the United States gets the children. um, so that's a little heartbreaking, <laughs> but I'm glad you know there there's always victory in the end. So you know, you reach sixteen now, and um your brother is away now, right? Yes, yep, okay. and so, so what happens at sixteen?
1: So 16, life got really real for me. Um, As I stated, um, my mother tried to be nurturing to me, but I really wasn't trying to hear it. I was in that Uh rebellious teenager mode where because of what I experienced, I didn't want to hear anything from my family. And so the good thing about it was, although I turned to the streets um, at 16, I started getting high, smoking weed. I started drinking alcohol. I started um, just hanging out all night with the local drug dealers. My friends were the drug dealers and mm-hmm. or the girlfriends of the drug dealers, the cousins of the drug dealers. But my saving grace was there was a community center that's still there today in Norwalk called the Carver Center, the George Washington Carver. Okay. Where I had great mentors there. And one of the... um. That late mr richard fuller he was a father figure he was the director of the george washington carver who was a mentor to many of us in the community who grew up in single parent homes and he was a pivotal part in my life even though i was being rebellious mr fuller he took us on college tours um Up and down the East Coast, we went to Howard, we went down to Virginia Union, we went to um just throughout the, the East Coast, down south, and to get to he took the time to instill in us the principles of education, of mm-hmm. education, and how getting an education will help us get out of the projects, getting an education will help us create the life that we wanted to create because of the hardships and the trauma that we were experiencing. Mm -hmm. So the Carver Center is, we went there after school. And so they also had Sisters in Progress, where they taught young ladies, they taught us how to take care of ourselves, and um, hygiene, and we had female mentors. And so that was my like, what would you call that? That was like my place to go for love and to it for attention positive attention and love. And and to actually when I was hungry, Mr. Fuller would give me money to go get food. When my mom didn't have money, he would give us money for groceries. And so That's beautiful. Yeah, that that was my um saving place in the community. But mm-hmm. I still would be rebellious in the streets. And so I would hang out all night. And
0: mm-hmm. when I was
1: sixteen, um I decided to actually lose my virginity to this guy, to this young man that I thought really likes me, cared. And at the time that we were um, actually having sex to lose my virginity, it was a setup and he allowed his drug dealer boss to come in and rape me. And oh so my
0: goodness.
1: that happened to me the first time I lost my virginity. Oh my God. I was 15 years old. And after wow. that, yeah. That was, that was, that was, and you know, it's so funny. I just recently shared that. I hadn't shared that. I'm 37. I haven't shared that with anyone for years. So recently I, um, I have a new spiritual mom that I'm working with and, um, I actually released that to her. And so I'm finally free from that.
0: Mm Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I realized um especially just with myself and talking on this platform, you know, I I realized that there's a lot of shame that we we hold um from what we went through, although it was not your fault, you know, although this was a situation that you could not prevent, um we we still carry the shame associated with it that if we share, you know, somebody's going to judge us or You know, it too many questions will be asked, or you know, you know, uh huh. So, so I understand that shame, and I'm happy that you are unashamed, as our friend Sana Latrice would say.
1: (laughs) Sana definitely a gym in the kingdom. Uh huh. in these unashamed streets, and it's yes, and you're right. It's it's time for us to really talk about what happened to us. And even um, being 37 years old, you know, I grew up in the church. Even through all the trauma, <laughs> what's crazy is my mother and father kept me in church. And so mm-hmm. God has always been my saving grace as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't hear the mothers. It's still to this day, it's not enough mothers in the church who've been raped, who've been mm-hmm. abused, who, who've, who's, who've maybe even been promiscuous. They're not talking about it. Mm -hmm. To us to this millennial Mm -hmm. generation they're not talking about it enough there I know there is some out there that are but it's not enough where it's making change for more outcries to come out like this happened to me and and I don't have to stay this way
0: Absolutely. I think that, um, it annoys that generation that we talk so much because I I had somebody inbox me to, to say, um, you know, Oh, just enjoy your, your husband and your new baby. Like just enjoy your new life. Like, I like, you know, you don't have to, um, continue to talk about what you've been through. No, the devil is a liar. Yes, I do. I need right. y'all, somebody to be free, you know, right. I think they have come from the generation where they would just put it all together and be like, honey, right. this is the package now. Don't worry about what it was. <laughs> right.
1: Or they want to sweep it under the rug as my spiritual mom would say, yeah. you know, back in the day or, or how they used to tell us what goes on in my house stays in my house. Absolutely, and That's the problem where we need to allow space and opportunities for children, for, um, adults now to be able to tell what happened to them that's how you get Mm -hmm. free from trauma that's how you break generational curses Mm -hmm. and i just graduated with my master's degree um in may and i was able to do clinical group run clinical groups with five to seven year olds and you could they they, even five to seven year olds have trauma Mm -hmm. and I children talk about they want to kill themselves and things of that Mm -hmm. sort and Mm -hmm it's really real out here and we cannot Mm -hmm. continue to to have closed mouths and not help people get healed you know and so I went because when I went through that at 16 I didn't share with anybody I felt um first of all I felt betrayed I felt ashamed I couldn't believe that I thought this you know this guy was feeling me but actually I was in the wrong place Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a setup where you know he allowed the his boss to come in and rape me, and the guy didn't get off me until he looked in my eyes, and then that's when he got off me. You know what I mean? And so yeah. And after that, that created more trauma for me because then I became promiscuous, right, in the streets, and mm-hmm. you know, it really wasn't until I got pregnant with my daughter, you know, at twenty two that I, that I I changed my life around, and so. But at 18, here's where life got even more um, traumatic for me. My mother died um, oh of cancer. Of oh, can- no. Mm-hmm. And she died two months before I finished high school. Mm. So, And so we moved. And so for my middle school and high school years, we were in Norwalk. But my senior year, we moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I graduated from Hardin High School. Okay. And it was just my mother and I in an apartment living there. And so it was it was cheaper for her to, to finish raising me up in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Time. She passed away two months before I finished high school. And I was left with an apartment, left to take care of myself. Because my father, he was still alive at the time. But he was so mad that I left and ran away at 13. He turned his back on me.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Yeah, so he... He wouldn't take me in. Mm, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And when she passed away, I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. to go to hair school. So I had to make okay. either you're going to stay here in Connecticut, continue to get high, continue to be in the streets, or you're going to take an opportunity. Because one of my friends from high school, her mom uh, was a hairdresser in Connecticut. And she was like, you know, my daughter is getting ready. Go to Dudley Beauty College in Washington D.C. Why don't you go to hair school? You know how back in the day, um, if you played with your friends, we would do each other's perms, we would do each other's and so I was like, "All right, well, you know, I have, I got a few skills, you Mm -hmm. know, okay, I'll go." And so I moved to D.C. two thousand three, moved to Washington D.C., and we had our own apartment. Our school was in D.C., but we were living in Maryland. Okay. two bedroom apartment. We were going to school, here at school from eight thirty to five. And then we worked at McDonald's from five thirty to twelve at night. Wow. And so yeah. So for me, and I went out there with no family but just my friend. So mm-hmm. it was I had for me it became survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Or you wanna sink or you gonna swim. And so but for my friend who went out there, she was sheltered growing up she went buck wild when we got the. <laughs> <laughs> already had that, that book <laughs> of wildlife in Connecticut. And so right.
0: When,
1: when my mother died, you know, I knew I had to take care of myself. And I knew working at McDonald's was going, first of all, I'd keep a roof over my head because I had nowhere to go. There was no one coming to say, Tasha, you can stay with me. Right. So she went buck wild, ended up leaving me stuck with the apartment, dropping out of hair school, and catch this Camille – her mom, like when my mom died, I had received five thousand dollars for my mother's death, mm-hmm. and I had to end up paying fifteen hundred dollars um, towards my mother's funeral. So I had okay. about thirty five hundred dollars left, and I gave it to the mom to hold for me because the deal uh-huh. was here's here's what's crazy how divinely God works. The deal was after we finished here school in Washington D.C., we were all going to move to Texas. Wow. <laughs> And open up a, a hair salon and start over. So everybody okay. everybody was going to move. And that was going to be my startup money. But when she, when the girl ended up going buck wild, she stopped going to school. She, she moved out with a guy she barely knew in D.C. and left me stuck with the apartment. So I ended up having to call her parents like, listen, the rent due and homegirl not here. Right. <laughs> she, she left me. Do you know her mom came and got her, came and got her stuff out of the apartment Mm. and they left back to Connecticut and left me for dead. Stopped Mm -mm -mm. answering. Didn't give me their money. Oh my goodness. So another traumatic experience. Oh my gosh. Yes. It happened. Real talk. So Mm -mm. after that, I don't know if, you know, let me know when you want (laughs) to interject, but after that, I you mean, keep
0: going. You share. This is good. This is good. Yeah,
1: yes. It's yeah. It's real. They I, there are more survivors out here like me, and I know there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and raising themselves, and I want more people to come forth and start sharing their stories. But this is this yes. really happened. And so when her when the girl left, I ended up having to let another person move in with me. I let a lady from my hair school move in with me. She didn't have no money. She wasn't paying me. We ended up mm-hmm. fighting. Oh. I going to jail in Maryland. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I spent the weekend in jail because I was late to court. I was late to court three hours because I had got summons to court for the fight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to court. And I actually called my dad back home to let him know what was going on. And he was like, you better go to court. You cannot not go to court if you get summons. Mm-hmm. So I show up to court three hours late. And the judge said, Okay, I want you to go to the door to the right. And it was a big brown door. Why? <laughs> the door opened. There was a guard there, like, put your hands behind your back. Oh my gosh. They locked me up for a weekend. I wore the orange suit. <laughs> oh no. Girl, yeah. Wow. Orange is the new black I was in. <laughs> uh oh, orange suit for the weekend and what's funny is my friends they they bail, they bailed me out but they didn't wait for me so I had to hitchhike back to okay. where I live it was crazy my life was crazy but <laughs> 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 oh, so so after that experience um things started to get a little bit better i moved okay. my hair school teacher of uh, from my hair school took me in okay Which, awesome you, yeah, she took me in. I finished hair school, and so I was out in D.C. from two th- from the um, August two thousand. My mother died April two thousand. I moved out to hair school August two thousand, and I was out there till two thousand three. And so I stayed what? in my. Yeah, what I was, was there- that
0: conversation like with the hair teacher that that had her take you in? Because that that's wonderful.
1: Yeah that that was awesome because she knew first of all when I was in hair school. I was actually still getting high and I was like, I was not paying attention. I was, I was just there laughing and doing a little bit just to make it through. Like I finished, I'm actually licensed for Connecticut, but the conversation with her, she, she felt bad for me and she wanted to take me in Mm -hmm. and she took me in and I was there for like a year and a half. I was there for a year and a half girl. I had my own room and bathroom. She had a two bedroom um, two bath condo, and so beautiful. I was living it up for a minute, but mm-hmm. then things started to shift because she started raising my rent, but I hadn't actually started working in the shop yet, and so okay. I ended up leaving her um, because it just wasn't working out, where the money wise. But to mm-hmm. this day, I still have um, sometimes on through Facebook out um, on inbox her just to say hello, how you doing, but. Right. I was happy to have someone who was able to took me in and and yeah at that time it was really necessary
0: that's beautiful wow that is beautiful so this this story is interesting I love a good story (laughs) which is why I do this podcast And so all right so so now how old are you at this point
1: at this point Um, when I was staying with my hair school teacher, I was 21 going on 22. So now, like I said, I was there from 2000 to 2003. Mm -hmm. I met my daughter's father out in D.C. He's originally from Queens, New York. And to the end of 2002. So about probably like September 2002, I met my daughter's father. Mm -hmm. And actually, she was supposed to be a D.C. baby. Mm. And... I ended up moving in with him in October. So when I left my high school teacher, I moved in with my daughter's father. And so I ended up getting pregnant March. No, I ended up getting pregnant before March, but I ended up coming home March 2003 because things didn't work out with my daughter's father. He had lost his job. We had our our own apartment. And what was crazy was I was still getting high, drinking, partying. Mm -hmm. And... We had our own apartment. It was the hangout spot. Our friends came over, you know, but then we still had to work to pay bills. And the problem was he lost his job, but he didn't go mm-hmm. get another one. And Tasha okay. is never taking care of a man.
0: <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right.
1: <laughs> we going to work this together or we not going to work at all. And so right. I ended up getting pregnant. And so I found out I was pregnant in January and then March came, we were about to get evicted, and I actually was about to go into a woman's shelter. Oh, let me back up a little bit. Before um, I moved in with my daughter's father. After I left my hair school teacher, I left my hair school teacher before I moved in with my daughter's father, and I became homeless and started sleeping on the floor out there in DC., paying 100 dollars just to sleep on a friend's floor who offered mm. me space. And so I went through that for about four months, just moving oh, around. Oh, wow. Working at um, McDonald's and moving around, just sleeping on the floor to make it because I didn't have nowhere else to go. Oh, and so oh. and at the end of 2002, I ended up meeting my daughter's father and then I moved in with him. And he was homeless too, you see? Oh, wow. If you're not careful, when you're broken, you are attached to brokenness. Wow!
0: Because what are the odds of that? That you would find somebody else that ends up being homeless? It's Isn't not right? like you was out on the street with the homeless people. Right. So, right. Right. Wow!
1: That's so true. And so we moved in together, but that party and lifestyle—you know—he couldn't balance working, drinking, getting high, and understanding that now I'm pregnant, and we still gotta pay bills, Uh and so when 2003 came, March 2003, we had gotten another eviction notice, and the conflicts we were staying at, saying, you know, we've worked with you guys over these last few months, every month, y'all paying the rent late, Uh y'all gotta and so I called my friends back home, I had, like, four main girlfriends that knew me from when I was 14 years old at this point I'm 22 years old and I was like look I'm about to go stay in a shelter I'm pregnant and you know I don't have nowhere to go they was like well you're gonna come back to Connecticut we're gonna come get you I said come back to Connecticut to where who where am I going I have you Mm -hmm. know my mom's side what's crazy is my mom's side I have a lot of family in Connecticut but there was so much drama between my mom and her sisters. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't, I, I wasn't going to be able to stay, stay there. You know what I mean? And then my father's side, yeah. because of his history and trauma with his family. There was just no one to take me in. And so I'm like, come back to Connecticut for what? Wow. And so they were like, nope, we're coming to get you. So <laughs> they came to get me Camille. And when they came and got me, my hair was gnatted. I had oh on gosh. guy clothes, my boyfriend's clothes, and I looked a hot mess. I looked such a hot mess. They gave me a perm in the hotel. They say you're not coming back looking like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow,
1: so, that's you know, a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I'm being real and raw, uncut, but this is the trauma yes. that I had went through, you know, in my childhood and young adult years. Love it. But let me that's tell you. Cool um how god just moved when i came back to connecticut in 2003 when i came back i was four months pregnant and i came back and i stayed at one of my friend's houses and what's crazy was before god started moving there was a little more drama Mm -hmm. okay um I guess the slang during that time was to call each other female bees, and that was normal. Uh But, right. So, you know, one day my friend called me that, and we were about to fight in her house, and I had to get out. So I became pregnant and homeless. Uh
0: Wow. Mm.
1: Then I tried to go stay with one of my aunts. That didn't work out because she wanted me to kind of be Cinderella.
0: Right.
1: Um, And I wasn't being Cinderella. And uh-huh. so he kicked me out four months pregnant, 12 midnight, threw my bags down, down the stairs uh, uh, and uh. I I became homeless. And so that particular night I went to go stay with one of my other aunts. She passed away and recently she, this aunt would have took me in, but she, okay. she, she didn't have a stable place to live. She was living in a, a room and house, so she couldn't uh. take me that would have been the aunt. You know, you always got that one auntie that's that's going to be down for you. Um no matter what's going on and she would have took me in but she wasn't able to.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Be able to stay with her one night. So then I had to go stay in the shelter. Then um one of my other friends who came to get me from Maryland, she took me in but her husband didn't want me to stay there. So I right. after- got and then when I first of all when I came home right when I came home in March I got a job at Walmart I started putting applications in at for housing so I did my due diligence with that but I just didn't have a steady place to live while I was waiting for those things for my housing to come through but so after I experienced that last um kick out from my um friend's husband I um was taken in by a missionary in my church who knew me from when I was 14 years old. And her name is Carolyn Curry. She's my daughter, godmother. Now she took me in when I was four months pregnant and I stayed in her home um, in Bridgeport and she had a full finished basement and it became so peaceful. She began to talk to me about God. She began to pray with me. Um, I started, I got saved um, when I was four months pregnant and I gave my life to Christ and things just started to get better for me Mm -hmm. and God blessed me with my apartment two weeks before my daughter was born
0: that's beautiful that is beautiful
1: two weeks before she was born God gave me my apartment and I didn't have to worry about being homeless anymore
0: oh that is beautiful that is good so here comes your baby yes <laughs> yes Oh, that is beautiful and so now how does life go when you have your um your daughter and um yeah things just begin to continue to be positive
1: yes things have uh, my daughter is 16 now she just turned 16 yesterday sweet 16 <laughs> and for the last 16 years I've been in Christ. I've been saved and haven't been perfect. You know, you don't be, you know, you don't just, you ain't no, I'm not no saintly saint where I could just say (laughs) perfect. But since I gave my life to Christ and I stopped getting high, I stopped um, drinking, um, things have been well. Like I said, he gave me my apartment two weeks before I had my daughter. Then um, after that, I became stable God blessed me with furniture. People just started blessing me. um, The missionary uh, that took me in, um, her family blessed, furnished my house with furniture. I was able to get daycare for my daughter. I was working at Walmart. I started as a cashier at Walmart. And Mm -hmm. I've always been a hard worker so wherever I worked I always worked hard and I never I always got promoted so I started at Walmart as a cashier and I moved up quickly to be a department manager I ran my own Mm -hmm. department Mm, thank you and then in 2006 I ended up get moving up one more time to work in personnel so I ended up becoming a training coordinator so I Mm -hmm. ended up hiring people training people to work at Walmart and all through those years, from two thousand three to two thousand and six, God was blessing me working at Walmart, and I was in church. I started mm-hmm. to pray more, I started to read my word more, and I started to really learn who god was and in two thousand and six, I ended up being blessed I applied to work for the postal service, and so mm-hmm. i worked for the i left Walmart and started working at the Postal service. But I didn't like the postal service because mm-hmm. my, daughter, she was at the babysitter, so I would work the overnight shift from four a.m. to twelve in the afternoon. Uh huh. And that became too much for me, and so what I did was I I worked the post office for like three years, but then I took a pay cut and worked at Pitney Bowls in the mailroom. Okay. And in two thousand twelve. Now I'm going to bring you fast forward to me living in Hamden. I'm sorry. I moved around a bit. <laughs>
0: but no, it's okay. Yep. I'm hanging on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I actually started community college before I, um, while I was working at the postal service, I started community college. I decided I wanted to become a social worker and I wanted okay. to get back. And so um, after I was at the postal service, I had a crazy supervisor who just treated me bad. And I didn't understand why. Like I worked for three years religiously from that 4 a.m. to 12 p.m. shift with mm-hmm. my and a babysitter while I'm at work. I would get off work. Now this time she's in kindergarten, first grade, and I would see her for like three, four hours and then have to take her to the babysitter. Okay. And so I didn't, I didn't understand what was the issue with the supervisor, why he, cause he was supposed to split up the time where some days I would work eight to five. Mm-hmm. I found out after I left the postal service, he was a preacher's kid, but he left the church.
0: Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm.
1: Why I didn't partake in some of the conversations that mm-hmm. happened at the postal service. And see, we have to understand when you're uh, the King's kid. We don't participate in everything, and That's people right. seeing that, and people may cause trouble for you just because of who you are, not oh. that you have done anything, but just because of who you are. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> end up leaving the um postal service, took a pay cut, but then fast forward, God bless me with um getting a job as an office assistant for the state of Connecticut for New Haven. I started work for DCF in New Haven, so I'm. Here- a- and then in 2012 and from 2012 to up until 2019 Camille I, I went to Albertus Magnus College yes. I worked my bachelor's degree in mm-hmm. human services, mm-hmm. and I went straight from my bachelor's degree in 2016 I graduated with that at Albertus and then I went to Southern and earned my master's degree in social work and then God is just so good because yes, it, glory to God. The progression of how he he took my life from trauma to triumph. Mm-hmm. I ended up becoming so after I, I just graduated with my master's in twenty nineteen, master's in social work from Southern. Yes. United States.
0: Congratulations,
1: you. woo! Yes, you. <laughs> But he also blessed me to become um, a licensed evangelist under the Church of God in Christ in 2017. Yeah. Uh, under the leadership of Pastor Charles H. Brewer III, Trinity Temple. What's good, yes. Nate? <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's kind of fast forwarding to you know where I where I am now um, and yes. how to bless my life mm-hmm. uh, over the years.
0: God is so wonderful. This is like such a story of from all the way, you know, at the bottom to how, you know, you were really left alone and a lot of young people, they fall to the wayside, you know, they get addicted. They continue to be homeless. They continue that cycle and then they yeah. have the children and then the children will continue to cycle. But yeah. I just, um, you know, congratulate you and salute you on being the chain breaker and the generational curse breaker. And, um, I'm am just amazed at God. And so what are what are you doing today? I know Natasha Kelly is also uh, doing some um women's empowerment things.
1: Yes, ma'am. So right now, so God bless me, um when I graduated in May 2019, I um I really so I've been in school for the last 6 years and I haven't mm-hmm. been able to really get into, um, studying my word like I wanted to. So now I'm on this quest of really just wanting to know more of God. And Mm -hmm. so one more traumatic experience I had just before I tell you where I'm at now, um, 2018, I experienced, I had a best friend for 14 years, ride or die, best friend was there for me over the years. But through the years that from losing my mother and then actually my father, I forgot. See, when you go through so much traumatic stuff, sometimes you forget events because you block it out of your mind. But I forgot to yeah. tell the listeners, my father actually passed away um, in 2016. Oh, wow. Um, yes. <laughs> I was So 34. you lost both parents. I lost both parents. Mm-hmm. And um, he passed away when I was 34. He passed mm-hmm. away just before I started grad school. Mm. Um and so when I graduated grad school I wanted to I became a licensed evangelist in 2017 but I said Lord I need more of your word I need more I need more like I love my church family I was under the church of God in Christ for 23 years and learned how to pray corporately out loud you know from my church experience mm-hmm. and but I was looking for something more I needed to encounter God, you know, like none other. But before God can get me to that place, he needed to break the spirit of codependency off of me. And so I was mm. story how um, I had a best friend for 14 years and we were attached at the hip. Her family was my family. Um, you know, I would go over to her house for Thanksgiving, Christmas, she would call me to my family's house um, for holidays. And um, we were just best friends, like sisters. But I was unhealthily attaching myself to her, and not really dealing with the trauma that I had experienced mm, from my, okay. from grieving, from even grieving my mother. So I would turn to my friends for love and for attention, mm-hmm. and not turn to God as my source. And so, although through the years <clears throat> I've used therapy to help me. Uh Um, but I still was like, my friends were, were my people, my saving grace. And, um, last year we came to a friendship break where she started to move on in life and do other things. And she got into a new relationship. And so her time for me, um, became very, became less. And so I had a hard time dealing with that because I'm like, that's my sister. You know, I want to be my sister. Like we used to talk Uh at home. from talking every day to talking less because somebody's in a new relationship and so I went through it came to a head March of 2018 and this was my last year of grad school I went into depression where I would go to work I would take care of my daughter make sure she eat take her to her basketball do all those things but then I would come home and I would um, turn the lights off and just be broken Mm. And I I would let the things that has happened to me over the years just replay over in my head, replay over in my head. Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't until the summertime of 2018 where I was going to fail out of grad school. And my professor, he said, Natasha, you about to fail this class. Like, what's going on? Like, Mm -hmm. you are not going to graduate with your cohort if you don't get it together. Mm -hmm. And, honey, if that didn't wake me up... (laughs) It woke yes. me up because, mm. oh no, I didn't come this far not to finish. And so I began praying, I began fasting and crying out. And so I began um, putting positive scriptures off all around my room. Mm-hmm. And then I also came across the book by Pastor Tori Roberts, Wholeness. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, that oh. book. Have you ever have you have you had a chance to read that book yet? Wholeness? No, I
0: haven't even heard of it.
1: Okay, I want anyone anyone who listens to this podcast if you ever experienced anything traumatic to get the book Wholeness because mm. he talks about how he had to go back in his childhood and find out where the crap came that mm. tarnished his way of positive thinking. Wow, and so, that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. and he talked about how he had to really do that because it was affecting who he was in his adult years because he Mm -hmm. wasn't dealing with his trauma or his experiences from his childhood that were negative he didn't he didn't get healing from that and it was playing over into who he wanted to become in his adult years and so that really spoke volumes to me and through therapy through reading that book, through God, reading the Bible and God's word, Mm -hmm. I broke free of codependency. And let me tell you, it became so beautiful after that spirit was released off of me because I graduated in May 2019, and then another pivotal person, so I told you Tori Roberts is the husband to Pastor Sarah Jakes Roberts. Yes. And she hosts the Woman of All Conferences. She is Mm -hmm. the she is the boss lady um, yes, she is behind woman evolve and mm-hmm. i booked a ticket by myself to go to denver colorado to go to woman evolve mm-hmm. and what was amazing to me was prior to me getting to the conference so the conference was july 11th through the no july 10th 11th and 12th of this year and so Prior to me going to the conference, there was a Woman of All page, and a few of my um, sisters on that page, ladies that I met, we formed a group. It was like six of us. We formed a chat room on Facebook in March of um, 2018, up until the time of the conference. And I met two ladies from the United Kingdom. I met a lady from Charleston, South Carolina, um, and Denver. And we kept in contact. We started bonding. And then when I got to the conference in July, although I went by myself, I didn't end up being by myself. Yeah. Of networking, sisterhood. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. sisterhood. And so um, when I got to the conference, it was a life-changing conference for me. See, over the years, although I had those traumatic experiences, remember I said God was my saving grace, and he always... I've always been a dreamer. He never took the dreamer out of me. And so mm-hmm. when I became 14 and started really heavily getting into church, I started listening to T.D. Jakes, mm-hmm. who has been a virtual mentor for me. Like I will watch all his sermons. I will yes. read books. And so he will always speak that um, dreamer, speak to the dreamer in me, telling me mm-hmm. to keep going on, keep pushing. And if you know T.D. Jakes, you can... I always say it, that he's like a spiritual Google. Like you can Google. Yes, him he on is. YouTube. I'm feeling, <laughs> like, feeling like fear. Um, and a sermon will come up where he's talking about fear. I'm feeling mm-hmm. like, um, you know, losing friends and stuff and stuff like that. He would, um, he would have a sermon to back up what you're feeling. And so mm-hmm. over the years, I've listened to him. And so now... And I've also listened to Joyce Myers over the years. Joel yes. Oster,
0: yes, yes,
1: those were pivotal people for me um, growing growing up and um, listening to them, and they that really helped keep me wanting to seek out the positiveness. Like I always knew, like I didn't go through this hell just to um, just to live and die. Like I went Absolutely. through it for something. And so when I went to Women Evolve, he was there. So wow. I got to meet Bishop TDJ. Through Mm -hmm. his book signing, I I got to tell him that, um, I, um, I got to tell him how much he meant to me and I got to tell him how I've been following him, um, that been following him all these years through the internet and reading his books. And I really felt like he was a spiritual father to me and Mm -hmm. he just kept me going. And, um, then I also got to meet Sarah got to meet Sarah, which was cool. Got to take a picture with her. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet Pastor Tore, who I read the book, wholeness.
0: Yes.
1: And also Sarah has great books too. I read her book Lost and Found. Her testimony is just astounding. How she um was a teen mom and how she, you know, she changed her life, and now she is just this woman boss out here. Absolutely. Helping Jesus save lives.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and then I got to meet Pastor Cora Jakes Coleman.
0: Yes, that's my girl right there.
1: That is my girl. And she's a prayer warrior. You know that. Yes, she is. And I got to sit in her prayer session. Uh And she went into um, into deep talking about prayer through the story of Jonah. Let me tell you, Pastor Cora is a storyteller. She can walk that Bible and Pull you out of the deep wherever you are, you hear me mm-hmm. and so everybody's in all all of them preached except Bishop Jake's at the conference, okay and the whole word that took place and which trans changed the trajectory of my life and while I'm here in Texas, every word that came across is saying, if your environment is not producing what God has placed, helping you to produce what God has placed inside of you. Why are you there? Right. Why are you in an environment that's not helping you grow? Right? Now I'm all about loyalty. I'm I'm, I'm your best friend. I'm your vault. I'm not going to tell your business. I'm your girl. I'm that girl. I'm uh-huh. all about loyalty, but I'm a I'm a dreamer and I went through hell. Okay. And uh-huh. i just because I'm loyal to you, I got to be loyal to my life first. That's right. I got to be loyal to God first and hear what he says to me and move when he tells me to move. And so every word that came across and was like, you got to move. It's time for you to grow. It's time for you to produce what God has placed inside of you. And it was the second day of the conference and it was the morning where Pastor Tori was preaching let me tell you how crazy and how God will God will get to you wherever He needs to get to you. Okay, that's
0: right. He that's right. Get,
1: yeah, if He needs you to hear something, it's gonna come. However, He needs you to hear it. I'm sitting in the back now. <clears throat> I'm sitting in the back of the conference of the church. Pastor Torre is preaching. The word is so high. The spirit, the spirit is so high. The word is going forth. Let me tell you, when he said those lines, why are you still in environment? <laughs> That's not Do you know I, the spirit leaps, I leaped from the back of where I was sitting mm. and all the way down to the first row, about to leap on the stage. Girl, I probably would have got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I was like, damn, I, I don't know, people, people Know me, but I'm a chubby girl, so I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So I know it was the Holy Ghost. Yes, and I know it was God saying, "I need you to hear this front and center because I didn't pay for VIP. I didn't have it at the side.
0: Yes, wow.
1: The back and the spirit leads me to the front. I really had to like, you know how a runner's running on the track and they have to, when they stop, they kind of buckle like to stop. I had to stop because I was about to be on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And I said, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. And I, and then it was an altar call at the end. So I cried out at the altar Mm -hmm. And left it all there. Everything that I had been through, Mm -hmm. the trauma, the hurt, um, the spirit of codependency, um, and just hearing the audible voice of God loud and clear, Mm -hmm. I I, I heard it clearly that day. And so that changed my life. And when I came back home from that conference, and so let me fast forward back to the prayer session. Um, and with Cora Jakes and how she um, profoundly um, talked about prayer and the importance of it and the essence of it and how it was necessary. That changed my life as well. And I got to meet her afterwards and um, we connected and today she's my spiritual mom. Uh-huh. Crazy. God bless me. Let me tell you how God folded this.
0: Beautiful.
1: When I, <clears throat> when I came back home from the conference, July um 14th, July 17th, J- July 15th, it was time for Holy Convocation for Kojic. And when I walked in my church, my spirit just said, it like, just shut down. And it was not, not nothing against the people. So I want the listeners to know, because I know there's going to be my Kojic friends that's listening. Absolutely. I, I love Kojic. I love the Church of God in Christ. Y'all yeah, my people, but you, you, you the organization can't be can't um keep you from what God has for you. You know what I'm saying? That's right.
0: Yeah. There's no loyalty. You you gotta go where the Lord says.
1: Yeah. And so mm-hmm. when I came back from the conference and it was holy totally complication in my spirit, you know, it was just like, okay, it's time to go. I said, mm-hmm. okay, God, I know it's time to go. And so I began um on the 17th of July, so this is three days later, going on Texas the state of Texas website applying for jobs I applied for two jobs Mm. to become a social worker here for the state of Texas and let me tell you I applied July 17th I got an email back July 18th said Natasha you qualified for this job please continue on with steps one and two which is preliminary questions this steps one and two they say, you qualify, you pass steps one and two, please go on to the test taking for steps three and four. Pass steps three and four, got a call two weeks later, said, can you please come here for an interview? So I'm like, wait, I'm in Connecticut. Do they know I'm in Connecticut? Let me call. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> call them. So I called the lady. I said, "Me, I'm in Connecticut. Can we do a Zoom? Can we do the internet via, you know, the computer? She said, no, we do our interviews in person. So I ended up flying here to Texas with my daughter. Mm -hmm. August 8th through the 11th, my interview was on the 9th, had my interview, got hired the same day. Uh So now I'm researching top schools for education and basketball because that's my daughter's thing. And the safest areas, so I find the safest Mm areas. To live so we were looking around for apartments things of that sort so when I got the job Camille I was like I'm not moving to Texas like <laughs> I chose Texas because i like well why Texas because Bishop Jace is here my yes. father virtually yes over the years who's been speaking to me from when I was a child Absolutely. Is mm-hmm. and I said because when I when I said, okay, God, you're saying it's time to leave Koji, I said, Well, where are you sending me? My
0: and this God. is where
1: he, this is where he's sending me. And Glory so to God. and so I got the job here, and we moved literally September 14th. So I've been here a month.
0: Everything yes. went
1: that. And God did it. Let me tell you, God, God, when He does it, it's just yes. lays for you, Camille. Yes. I got the job the same day I interviewed. hmm so, I went back and forth from my spirit. Like, I'm not moving here. I'm not moving here. But then I said, well, let me just look at apartments. I said, well, I can't really look for nice apartments because I just went through bankruptcy because I, mm-hmm. I have a house in Connecticut that I, um, was, that I needed to go through bankruptcy for foreclosure. And yeah. I did a bankruptcy to remove me on that debt and just to mm-hmm. start. So I said, how long mm-hmm. did get an apartment yes. when I just went through bankruptcy in July? and mm-hmm. here by september
0: wow it's
1: not gonna work out do you know yeah. i live in a gated community here in texas my god come on my in god perry, i live yes in grand- my daughter's school is across the street across the highway we yes. can see the school from our house from our and
0: grand perry is not no um urban area <laughs> no we write on the <laughs> main
1: still line. You know what it is. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: We live in a gated community with a pool, with yes. um a common Beautiful. area where guests can come over. It's nice, okay? Mm-hmm. It's safe. And that's what I was looking for, safe. And I said yes. the pool, not to brag, but let me tell you, the pool, I said the pool because my house that I bought three years ago in Connecticut had a pool and the people Mm. told me it was up and running when I bought the house but it was rotted so we didn't even get to use the pool
0: oh my goodness gave
1: me a pool that I don't even have to clean okay that's
0: right okay a resort style
1: yes they pick up the trash Mm. for me outside the door yes
0: (laughs) honey I know you describing where I live (laughs) Absolutely. God is good. And it's real out here in Texas.
1: It's real. It's really real out here in Texas. It's beautiful.
0: So Tasha, I just thank you for coming on the show. And I want you to, if you have any specific words for anyone that may hear themselves in any part of your story that you described, any young person or anybody that's grown that hasn't received that healing yet or hasn't experienced God turning it around yet, do you have any advice for them or any words of encouragement?
1: Absolutely. Um, I want to tell people i want to tell first of all i want to tell single moms i want to tell women in general and also i want to tell any youth who may listen to this podcast hey press on Mm -hmm. and i say that because we have to press on through life experiences everybody life god gives everybody a life everybody has a story and your story may have been traumatic but it don't have to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Someone told me, a good friend of mine, Nayoki, told me when I was 18, I wrote her a letter back from D.C. I was mad that family wasn't really helping me. and wasn't there for me, and I was on my own. She put in that letter, life is what you make it. And so mm-hmm. I want to share with my fellow single moms and anyone who's listening today that, hey, press on, and life mm-hmm. is what you make it. If you don't like the way your life was in your childhood, I want you to use these things that I use to help me over the years. I use first of all, I use God, praying, reading my word, but I also use therapy. We can't be afraid of therapy. I've been in therapy for years, and I know without a shadow of a doubt, if it wasn't for God and a therapist helping me talk through all the traumatic experiences that I have went through, I wouldn't be here today. Yes, and yes. So I want to share with you that you can press on. You can press on through your trials. You can press on through depression. You don't have to stay in depression, y'all. I had to change my perspective. I had to change the way I look. I kept, sometimes we want to have that why me. And and I hey, listen, it's okay to be there for a moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. cry it out. Yell it out. You know what I'm saying? Punch the bag. But at some point or another, that why me has to be like, I don't have to stay here anymore. It's time for me to press on. And I can press on through this. I can get out of this depression. And like I said, using therapy, reading God's word, I want you to press through that anger. Like I said, get it out how you need to get it out, but you can't stay there. Because listen, when we keep depression, when we keep anger, when we keep the traumatic experience keep playing over in our head, we're, we're hurting our physical bodies, right? So we, where we cause diabetes, we cause stress, and now we got high blood pressure and all these things. Let me tell y'all something, I'm a, I'm a chubby girl. Okay. Um, and, but because I've used prayer, because I use God, I don't have diabetes, okay? Mm -hmm. I need to lose some weight, yes, but because I I keep releasing those stress, that stress off my life, I'm not suffering with anything. And I thank God for that, that he didn't allow physical harm to come to my body. But some of us, everybody's body is different. And if you don't get to help to release those things, not only will you be mentally defeated, your body will begin to shut down. and And we don't have time for that because... I want to let somebody know that you can press on, press. Yes. If you, if, if you were in school, I want you to press and get that degree. Okay. You went for someone. I flunked out my freshman year of high school today. I have two degrees. I have a bachelor's degree in human services and I what have a master's degree in social work and I have a spiritual, okay. License and that don't mean anything. Your experience is what, helps you to help other people but I'm just saying yes, what I've yes. obtained over the years because that's right. press on all right and so mm-hmm. um you know go for that job you're a single mom and you you know or you may be even a single father out here you know can't take away that from other guys there's some real good stand-up guys out here that's taking care of their children you know yes. the youth and foster care you may be someone who may have been raped. You may have been someone who's been molested. You may have been someone who's been, used drugs and um, sex to cope with what you're experiencing. I want you yes. to come out of that. I want you to press on through that and press into God. Press into his word. Press into his love for you. You know? Press, I want you to press in. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Natasha. This was so, so amazing and um, a wonderful story of God's grace, God's redemption, God's restoration and the glory of God all over your life. And I'm excited to continue to connect with you. Um,
1: Thank you. Thank to, you for this yes, You are
0: so welcome.
1: And I really want um, people to, look, f- to, to uh, look out for me in the spring. I'm hoping to release my book. I have Absolutely. a book coming out um so please um stay tuned if you want to connect with me or if you would like to um reach out and ask some more questions or you need some guidance i'm on instagram at tasha m kell that's t-a-s-h-a-m-k-e-l or on facebook as natasha kelly k-e-l-e-y
0: thank you so much for that all righty we will talk to you soon thank you again thank you